Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, the podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with Neil King, managing editor of Fatia magazine. Now, Neil puts on shows, uh, has a radio show of his own, Fatia reviews music, and they're a very supportive community, particularly towards independent musicians like myself. So this is a really interesting conversation with Neil's points of view on the internet, the state of the creative industries, and uh, what's going to be happening over the next few years. So I think there's a lot here that you'll find very interesting and very useful. Before we start the conversation, could I ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share it, um, comment on it, like it, review it, all of those things, because that just helps other people to find the podcast and hopefully join our community and get involved in the content that we're sharing. You can find me at robertlanemusic.co.uk and Neil mentions the various ways that you can find Fatia online. Okay, here's my conversation with Neil King. Neil King, hello. <laughs> How are you? How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Good. Um, could we start off? Could you tell me something I'm curious about? I don't think I've asked you before. Fatia, hmm? where's that name actually come from? Okay, it's one of the, it's, um goes back to Arthurian legend, Morgana Le Fay. Um, who in the Italian version of the legend is known as Morgana Fatia. And that's where it comes from, because when, when the magazine started off as an A5 fanzine, we started off as the music mystical and political fanzine in the way that students can be that sort of quite, yeah, well, what on? And so, so in fact, she summed up the music, the mysticism and the, and the green issue politics, so we named the magazine after her. I see, that's cool. Subsequently, it's come to stand for, for all the exceptional artists. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that, that was sort of like sledgehammered in afterwards. Uh-huh. It? It's reverse engineered. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. we got fed up with people sort of going in there. So, I've got, so I've got folk, Americana. What does the T stand for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Good. And that was the next question, actually. Um, how would you describe your sort of purview in uh, genre? So is Roots a way that would so, cover so, so these days, the phrase I prefer to use is acoustic spectrum. Okay. So blues, Americana, folk, singer-songwriter. Okay, the electoral variations of them. But when we started off, we were punk, new wave, and... Um, <laughs> All that sort of bit and pieces. But, uh, we, but we gradually drifted. Certainly since 96, when we went on the internet, we gradually became more and more driven towards acoustic genres rather than rather than the hardcore ones. And was that sort of led by your taste, or was it led by what was happening? Combination, really. I mean, we did um, done an interview with Joe Strummer and the guy from XTC and that sort of bits and pieces. And we talked uh, about influences. Uh-huh. Um, my background initially from my sort of my family collection, my dad was you know rock and roll and rockabilly and that sort of stuff, and that sort of when punk came in was at the younger end of punk, so sort of that sort of didn't really understand it, but then discovered what narrative song was about, and that's and then sort of talked to like so Joe Strummer was talking about some of his influences, and I still think the Clash is probably the best punk, the best folk stroke folk band. I don't know if you listen to their, their songs, their, their folk songs in a punk idiom. And then we listened to those influences. I then gradually started listening to, I, I like that person, well, he's on the same compilation as them. Let's try finding out a bit more about them. And gradually the magazine drifted away, drifted more towards the acoustic genre. Mm-hmm. Cool. So it's a fanzine at first, like a physical Yeah, it used to be, uh, a, 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 five, a five fanzine. We did a, 
print run of, of 100 for the first one. So we gave 90 of them away. <laughs> yeah, and then gradually, um, some, some, we, we, we bumped into a couple of guys that were really good at art that were quite keen. So then the covers improved because they had a better cover on them. Mm-hmm. People started taking it more seriously. And then mm-hmm. we went, then we got, um, we did our first flexi disc, a band called Ruby Blue. Um, and that was that was big A five fan in flexi disc. So so so, so, we, so we then moved A four from there, and then sort of moved yeah, then stayed A four and just built on built on that. And was there a point where it was online and still a, a Brief, physical? Briefly, I mean, we'd done another magazine. So before the just before the internet really took off in ninety six, um, there was a brief period where CD ROM was the the big multimedia piece. And we've done a music magazine, the UK's only music magazine for certainly on the independent side, um, on CD ROM. Mm-hmm. So we'd started transitioning across. And then we were really fortunate in '96, um, one of the, I used to do some freelance journalism as well in the, in the IT world. I got given a load of web space, which in '96 was quite a valuable commodity. So we then switched it across. Very quickly, we we were online before NME was. <laughs> um, we put Cambridge Folk Festival online before Glastonbury, so there's a few bits of you know in, in terms of stretching it back. Um, briefly, but it was also at that same time that I had my, fa- my family started as well. Yes, and I could also all sort of maintain a magazine and and a day job and family, but I couldn't commit to something that had deadlines. So it was uh, there's only a brief crop up, crossover period. And we lost quite a lot of readers because a lot of them weren't online and a lot of them weren't capable or in a position to do anything. Mm-hmm. But gradually we then built up and continued on. We've been on the internet since 96 consistently. Mm-hmm. And that's where we found the name has been really useful because we were, if we weren't something guitar or whatever, you Google Fatia and serendipity says no one else really uses the word. So if, you go, if someone's looking for us, they find us very easily. Yes. So would you have had feedback from... Um from readers of the, the magazine who then weren't going to make the transition over what was how if you're talking about 1996 that is quite I guess quite early into that yeah we had that world um, well no because that, that, that's the thing about paper magazines where you didn't use, you, you had a small letters column or whatever but you didn't used to get a lot of feedback but that was one of the things we just got even though we had a smaller audience on the internet we got far more emails and uh, whatever okay. quite quickly because it became that sort of like, I don't have to type out a letter, <laughs> stick it in, post it off. It, it became, the communication became a bit more instant. Right. Um, so, so from that point of view, but then it really wasn't until 2000, the early 2000s that we actually really kicked off and it started really building. Mm-hmm. As a sort of community. Yeah. Online. Yeah. And it, did it always have the focus of, you, you support a lot of independent artists? Always have done, and that, that that was part of the reason why we came, what we did, we, we, we tended to feature a lot of newer artists. Mm-hmm. In the early days, they were all, they were mainly signed to independent labels. Mm-hmm. We did, we very early got into um, working with the likes of 4AD, Cooking Vinyl, Beggars, so the, so the big indies. And we also bizarrely got, we dealt with a lot of stuff on the rump end of majors, the artists that they'd signed, then the A&R person had gone, so they, had to, they were contractually obliged to put the album out. And consequently, and some of that was almost more obscure than the <laughs> stuff that was on obscure labels, because the labels believed in them and were pushing them. Yes. And we used to get these sorts of, you know, these albums arrived from so, so they could sort of like show the other. We are doing something with you. <laughs> we're trying to introduce you to the cult. We, we want to build you up underground. <laughs> yeah, type. 
side stuff. But we had some luck. I mean, we did the first ever UK interview with the, with the Cranberries, both before oh, they well. signed to Ireland and after they'd signed. And whatever. So we had some interesting... Yeah, that's great. Played. And would you then maintain relationships with some of those artists as they... Gen- generally, yeah. I mean, like, uh, there's no one that I've deliberately dropped contact with. <laughs> yeah, there's... Yeah, yeah, you, you get some people, it, it drifts both ways. I mean, there's some artists that I've known would count myself as being friend with. I've got other artists that I would say, we've known each other for years, but we don't communicate. But if we see someone, how are you doing? Yeah. yeah, that sort of almost casual level. But there are some, and then some you just, you know, you just do their first album and then they just vanish off into the ether and you may hear them again later and sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so, you know, on the downloads, I don't like to do the numbers thing, but... We've been doing those for 12 years now, and there's been over 800 artists on top of that. Well, you can't maintain. No. <laughs> yeah. And a certain amount of those, I guess, might not be doing stuff now. Yeah, or yeah. And, stuff for yeah. a while. Or, or sometimes they've chat, you know, they, we, we did them when they were a solo artist, and now they're in a band, and whatever. So it's, it's, it's interesting. You, you do pick up on people's careers, or some, someone's not done something for five years, or someone more interestingly, sort of back in the days of the paper magazine, and then sort of like. 20 odd years later, they've had, they've retired, done the kids, had the kids bits and whatever, and have now got spare time because they're of that generation that actually got quite a good pension. And yes. So, so they're now back out and, and doing stuff and sort of we're still around and mm-hmm. or we're doing, and in certain cases, we're doing the children of artists that we've done in the past, which is. Oh, wow. <laughs> and <laughs> you also involved in running events. So we had the, um, you had your own festival. Yeah, not that long ago. We've just um, had the stage at Wimborne Folk Festival. Yeah, when did that side of things start happening? So, there, so there are two periods of, of live event. Um, two thousand and eight. Um, no, two thousand. Yeah, two thousand eight. Um, I just left J, my my day job, um, and I was given the okay to spend a certain amount of cash on on live events, mm-hmm. and that once that cash had gone, that was it. So we did a few few gigs back then, um, Photo Showcase Sessions Live, um, and needless to say, the money ran out because we couldn't quite... Uh, I've, I've always had this belief of talking about like, paying the support band and whatever, and I remember getting a phone call from one of the promoters locally telling, asking me, what the expletive expletive do you think you're doing paying support bands? Because <laughs> they're, right. they're now asking me for money. <laughs> it's like... Uh, <laughs> oh, not from your event, just no, in general. Yeah, so, I was, so, so, so I was playing support bands, and then yeah. so obviously I've got out. So people were, were talking to other local promoters, sort of saying, "Well, I think he was paying support bands. Why? Okay. Yeah, why? Why? Why are they getting? It wasn't a lot, but it was sort of like yeah. So they didn't make a lot. They didn't have yeah. whatever. So, yeah. so why aren't you paying me for a support slot? So, but so that was one period. I mean, and then. We got the opportunity. We're a patron of Love Folk in Southport um, and that, that came around through one of the writers in the team sort of suggesting that there was something that we could do together because they had, they had a new festival they'd done one year and they just weren't reaching the audience that they wanted to do because they hadn't and they weren't specialists in reaching that they were yeah, the Atkinson's a beautiful venue but there's lots of different music genres and, and rather than so they hadn't reached out in a, so they asked us to get involved in that so we started putting on a stage at the Atkinson which we've now done for a few years. Um, but the festival was a one-off. Uh, that, that, that was 30 years, and it was a case of... <laughs> so, so, so that one was done as a celebration-type bits and pieces. But then also that year, because we needed to do some publicity to that, we ended up doing a stage, uh, supporting a stage at Wimborne, mm-hmm. 
which we've just done again um, yeah. and, and whatever. So, so the live stuff's almost been accidental because there's, there's a certain level of time fiefdom. And it, when I was doing gigs, my priority has always been the magazine first and foremost. That's number one. Um, after that, probably now it's the, the radio show, mm-hmm. then the download. But all of that is a, is a easily, relatively easy contained group. When I was doing live, I found that the amount of effort that you need to put into sustain live was impacting the rest. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if you're running something like this as a hobby, you only have a certain amount of capacity. Yes. Um, so unless something live is now is more or less a case of, well, can you help us sort out the bookings and work out what it is? It needs the people that are putting on the event to say, we'll, we'll do the sound. All, all you need to do is suggest the bands that you want us to book or we'll give you some money and you go out and book them yourself, but we will do the infrastructure because I just don't have time to do live events really. So it's more, yes, I do them. And then occasionally around that, then I'll also do workshops and I'll also do workshops outside of festivals that we're supporting the music from. So I've done a couple of other events where someone said, look, can you just turn up and do an hour or... Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. So as you know, when we did my festival... We had there and we had one of the guys from, from the legal side to sort of say, and this is what you need to think about when you're doing productions, putting CDs out. And Neil will tell you, here's the publicity bit. And by the way, you might also want to consider how to protect yourself from... Yes, because you haven't done this for a while now. You have you know, quite a bit of experience with various aspects of the industry. Mm. So is, is that something that's happened recently or has it always happened that you have artists coming to you as a, a bit of a mentor for some advice? Yeah, and, and get... And Without wanting to get swamped, you know, there's a lot of people that I talk to and have done that sort of bits. And it, it, it used to worry me that sort of people that I'd never met would, would would phone me up and ask me to be their manager, stroke agent, or whatever because they'd seen photo. They, it, it, it's, it's a I believe it's a well trusted name, mm. and, and consequently, that in an industry that there's the, the, there's the music community and there's the music industry and they very and they very rarely meet <laughs> that's interesting that's interesting I'm putting it and so obviously like, fate is a a community that's, resourced that's, community led yeah. yeah activity isn't it um tell us a bit about that so the the magazine the mm. website will review uh Albums and yeah. live concerts, and you have kind of a pool of writers. Who yeah, so, so, so you've got a pool of writers. The, the whole thing is volunteer-led. Um, there's no money associated with Fatir at all. We don't we don't take um, advertising. Um, we found that talking to a lot of younger bands, particularly, but but by and large, but new artists in general, magazines that have an advertising content that's related to the site so I'm not on about the stuff that sits in the side and you've got no control over the advert but the yes. the, the content led advertising uh, people will come to an assumption that if you're not paying for advertising in the magazine it becomes more difficult to get a review and, and they that may not be the case but they will self-censor so when you've got no advertising on your site at all that's, that level of self-censorship goes um, by and large um, most of the stuff we get has not has artistic merit. There's a lot that, I, and I know there's a lot of music out there that, that you know, sort of, and, and this is, this can sound derogatory, but it's not meant to be that. Way. Well, you've got a club singer that's put together a CD, and it really is only for the forty people at the club, as a whatever. But then feel that they need to put it out wider mm-hmm. than that, even though mm-hmm. they know there's never going to be an audience for it, and the quality of that. I don't get a lot of that. I know they exist, but I don't get a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the writing the writing team self select from the list of releases that come in during the week. Right. Everything gets listened to. Yeah, that, that's that's one of the core things. If if something drops into the fate here, stroke along the track, mailbox, email, or whatever, we don't do streams. We won't review streams. We won't touch streams in terms of we might hint and say, "Can you listen to this?" And I'll say, "Yeah," but if you wanted to do anything with it, we either need a preferably a physical download because we've got a lot of older reviewers that don't like download and they've still got that. I need, I want the physical type stuff. It's, um, um, we don't pay for reviews. We don't. So there's no money changes hands anywhere in the Fatir eco structure. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Or, or very little. You know, if I'm doing a workshop somewhere and it's a 200 mile trip or whatever. Yes. Yeah, it's, sure. it's not. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to know just from your point of view, how the, the circuit or the industry has changed since, since you started with the fanzine really. I don't know. A lot, <laughs> I guess, yeah, well, is the well, answer. Well, yeah, a lot of it has. Um, I think it's one of these, these straight... I think this is probably one of the best eras to be alive in for a musician, certainly in the last four or five years, okay. than it has been for a while. And part of that is there is... You know, music, uh, there are proper college courses. Music, music folk and... Acoustic genres are now taken seriously. There's college courses you can do a three year degree in it and understand that. And what that has enabled is that people that previously may not have known how to make a living from it properly can now make a living from it properly. So, that, so, so the result of that, but it, it, it may be a portfolio career. It may be I will make 25% of my money from teaching, I will make 25% of my money from trying to push it. Yeah, we're at a time when. Other you know, film and te- there's now so many channels that are looking for songs to fill out music. So that so the opportunities for songs outside of the musician actually going out and performing them to be heard is is better. So there's there's more artists that are capable of making a portfolio living than I think they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always been the if I'm in three different bands and one of them's touring every year type scenario. So you know, certainly in the acoustic genres. Um, most of the artists that survive, if they're only ever in one band, it's their first band, and then they're either as part of a duo here and a band there. They do some solo work. Um, I think it, you need to, you need to be writing your own stuff in order to make it easier to do that sort of stuff. I think PRS, I think MCPS, and whatever have let musicians down badly. Um, you know, the deal that they signed with Spotify was absolutely appalling, um, and. The, the, the Spotify model can work for musicians, but it requires the companies like Spotify to be, to realise that they're the mind. They they have no creative input. They don't. People criticise the old record labels, but the old record labels used to put money. You had to pay it back, but it, and some ended up getting written off. But they actually supported the creative process. Well, Apple and Spotify do nothing really to support that creative process, and I find it absolutely disgraceful I mean I do photography as a hobby and I'm on a photography site called Clickersnap and I get paid 10 times as much for someone to view one of my pictures mm. as a musician gets for a single player one of their songs mm-hmm. well Clickersnap is still going they're making they're making money and Spotify are claiming that they're 
we don't make, yeah, yeah, they pay the guy, you know, the guy at the top of it makes millions. They've got, you know, key real estate in big cities where, they, where they're spending money. Of course, we're not making any money, but we've got these really nice bits of place where we can, where we, Spotify, mm-hmm. can lounge around in our big offices and whatever, and you, the poor musician, well, here's your peanuts for it, and, mm-hmm. and, and take it or leave it. And, and musicians need to leave it. They, they need to, and I think we're also at a stage where, curation of people's own websites or becomes important again i think if pe- if people can direct people to their website to listen to rather than play to get on some of these spotify playlists and direct people to that and pick up a right quality of audience mm-hmm. then they will make more from streaming or whatever and there are programs out there that will allow people to stream from multiple websites so stream from multiple websites go direct to the artists and there, there are there are financial models that will allow artists to do more, but not if they conti- not if the likes of Spotify and Apple continue to exclude the market. Yeah, monopolise. Um, that's some, remind me of something you did mention in one of the workshops of yours that I attended, where all the social media and all the rest of it is great, but it should be directing people towards your website. website. Yeah, that, and that's I, I, I've, I've long had the belief that after your music and your whatever, your most important asset as a musician is your website. And all of your social media's job is to direct everything to your website. Yeah, there's an exception. I've got a gig tonight. Yeah, then then, then tweet that. That's not that's not something to push your website. That's I need you to do something right now. Mm -hmm. But if you're not pushing people to your website, yeah, they don't. Yeah, they may know you've got a new CD, but they don't know what your tour is. If if you send them to Amazon to buy your CD and, and you direct them to Amazon to buy your CD, A, you're going to make less from your CD than you would if you sell it from your website, but B, they're not going to see, I'm also touring. Oh, I quite like your T-shirt design. I quite like... And if they're not at your website, they're not going to see that. Yeah. If, if you send them to the venue to buy the ticket from the venue, then they're not going to see that you see and be able to buy it as a package. So, you know, your own website with your own web shop... That these days is easy. It's not like you don't now need to fork out hundreds of pounds for a web designer to put a web shop and a, a proper commercial website together. Mm. And also, you're in control of that. Then I think that right. this, you know, people building their social media as we all try and do, but there's always that sort of fear in the back of my mind that like, what happened to MySpace? You know, yeah. like everybody who had a massive following on MySpace or you know. Any of those other social medias that ended up disappearing, or they just change what they're doing. We, you know, there's there's issues with Facebook at the moment, yeah. isn't there? Changing their model, changing their yeah. um, your reach that you will get, and, and the same with Twitter. And I mean, Twitter still allows you to reach more people than than the Facebook. Does, but I mean, like, so, and it's also how it changes and where it evolves to. It's where your audience is. Mm. So I'm not particularly good at Instagram, mm-hmm. and I'd, I'm really looking for someone to manage my Instagram page of the right generation to reach out to that audience I still get a good I've still got a relatively good younger audience because but that's more word of mouth for what we've always done Mm -hmm. rather than through my social media a lot of my younger audience comes directly because I can see the stats on my site come directly to the site and I'm not getting directed there from Mm -hmm. yeah so I need so someone that identifies the bits of social media and that's all and again also that's somewhere where a musician may struggle but that's hopefully where they've got a friend that can say look I can manage my I can, I can actually do my Instagram in, in, in the case of a younger musician can you manage my Twitter for me or mm-hmm. can you manage my professional Facebook page mm-hmm. so, because that's reaching you know that's a different audience that Facebook is reaching out to to your Instagram to this is going to, say, to wherever the kids are now with their new 
yeah. vision thing. And the next one that's down the track as well. And I haven't got, and, and like, like everyone else, I haven't got time to, I'm managing Twitter, I'm managing Facebook, I've got tools that allow me to do it. Instagram does it a different way, so then I would be having to do specialists. So it's finding, even as, as a hobby, finding time to generate a third social media stream is difficult, but the websites are consistent. It doesn't matter if it's what's pushing you there. There is a website that sits there and goes, this is what VT is doing, this is what we're reviewing, these are the live reviews. We do a few articles, we don't do as many as I'd like, it's a time thing, but it's always there and it's constantly being updated. And according to my stats, most people go to the VT site directly. Mm-hmm. It's... You know, Hmm. Um, and another thing that I found you talk about before which is interesting and again it fits into this idea that it's a, in many ways it's a great time for music I think it's easy for people to look at the situation the things we've mentioned streaming um, gig attendances the competition yeah. getting people to shows and all the rest of it but one thing you, you made me think about was that there are it might be very hard to get on national radio mm. for a, an independent musician Um but then there's lots of independent shows yeah. that are supporting musicians. Yeah. And whilst you could look at that and say, okay, well, I've, I've gone onto X folk show on Mixcloud mm. there and like, there's 30 people listening in yeah. or whatever it is. Your point was, but those 30 people are people who've sought that show out and are really interested in yeah. that music. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, the, it's the quality of audience rather than quantity of audience. Yeah. I mean, I've got a show on Blues and Rich Radio and Blues and... So, so that's... Because that's become one of those exception pieces where they've not only got a quality of audience, they've got a large quality of audience because of the number of shows that they've got. And that genuinely is a worldwide... In that, that's, that is genuinely a worldwide piece, and, and, I, and I know the effect of that because I know through my mailbox how many more CDs and whatever I get from Australia, New Zealand, Canada, ah, and whatever. Right. So, so, I, so I can quantify that it's a, it's a successful place for me to be. Yeah. Um, and I get more stuff that comes through its... To along the tracks care of Fatia because we, you know, it's the show goes out as a Fatia production. Um, um, so, 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 but that's where the audience is, and, and you know, if, if, you, if you look around, you know, the, it's fi- the people that are finding those folk shows are the same people that are looking for that hundreds of audience type type piece. A community, isn't yeah. it? That's the other thing, and it's sort of. Do you sort of um, go along with the idea of the thousand true fans for an artist? This sort of idea that an artist being independent, yeah. just, not just an artist, anything, it's any type of yeah, business. And, 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 I, and I think and there's, there's artists that help themselves and there's artists that help each other. Mm. And there's, there's you, know, the, the, you know, the ones that sort of like, uh, will sit down and talk or, or on Facebook to, to, to say, right, I did this, this worked for me, or um, do you want to do a gig exchange? Mm-hmm. How about the, how about doing um, a songwriter circle and going out as three artists and doing a tour that way rather than someone struggling to so that um, and, and also where you get things like um, Johnny Cason and the Memory Afternoons and that sort of stuff where you're taking music into another area that that's helping you know, memory and all those sort of bits and pieces opening up that music piece mm-hmm. to and then that gets it to more people and. Yeah, people talk. You just just talking about it and talking to other people about it is is a way to be, and it costs your fans nothing to do that. They don't. You know, mm. Whilst it's nice for them to buy your CD, buy your T-shirt, turn up for a gig and whatever, actually just listening to it and sort of saying to a friend, "Have you heard 
as you know, we, we do the downloads. Well, again, there's no money involved in that. But it gets it gets out there and people getting heard. And, they, and the objective of that is then to go to the website and to listen and whatever. And people always... T- the, the best way for music to be spread is for it to be recommended by a friend. <laughs> it's by far the most effective. Have you heard such and such? I'll give you a couple of tracks by them, mm-hmm. by the album or whatever. Or, you know, or, 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 or even in the car, have you heard such and such? You're in the car and you, you, you play for an entire album and you've now got, I really like that, where can I buy a copy? Or we'll go to the artist's website and buy a copy. If, you, if, if it's on their website, buy it from their website. If they're at a gig, buy it live from them at a gig rather than, first of all, find out if the venue is screwing them for whatever, buy it outside if necessary. But, uh. but buy it from the artist. The, the more that you get directly from the artist and the better that the artist is known and able to control their pace, the more chance they've got of making a living from it and being able to produce another album. Yes. That... Yeah. And where would you imagine things are heading then? So you say it's been a, an interesting, I think you said five years. Mm. For the next five into the next decade, do you think there's changes ahead? That I, we can I, see? I, 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 I bizarrely at the moment think that the, the music industry is moving towards... Um, Better finance streaming. Mm. That most music will you know, that, that downloads will be will still be an important part, and that on the physical side, people will buy the vinyl, and not this, not necessarily for playing, but because that that it's a, it's the it's the physical music, and that albums and sleeves and all those sort of stuff have got far more warmth, but they won't they won't necessarily play them. But I think that sort of merchandising and the merchandising of the music and not just necessarily the T-shirts, but I think that that limited run of vinyl is, is will become a more important part of a musician's portfolio over the next few years. That may well change again soon. But I, I genuinely feel that the technology will allow artists to take more control of their electronic media as well as a physical. Mm-hmm. And that's an important piece. If you're going to buy a download of an album, again, buy it from the website. And artists have now, it, you know, it, there's no excuse to say, I can't have a download on my website because those shops are so easy to set up. <laughs> mm. And how do you think the industry, um, the, the the wider industry is likely to move? Because you just feel like they're, they're, they're always just a bit slow to move to stuff, aren't mm. they? I guess they sort of get a bit behind the curve and... And lose out, but now they've found. I feel as if the labels and stuff have found a way to make money from mm. spot. Someone's making money, as you say, from the streaming and all mm. that sort of stuff. It's just not necessarily the right. people who are writing not the songs. Not necessarily right people. And I, I, I also think that the film and visual industry <laughs> yeah. will have an important role in a far more important role in music. But there'll also there'll still be that sort of like in terms of it's going to have to be the right production companies and and. The thing is about a lot of those, like, lot of those production companies is there's far more people in them that have got that understand the creative bit and will make sure that the musicians get paid for the song at the end of the piece or the soundtrack bit that they provide yeah. um, because that's the way that the quality is going and the, the quality is going up and I also think that more musicians again on that, on that sort of score you know, why not three or four of you band together and put together your own online TV show rather than an online radio show and, and have the visuals and do that sit down you know sort of like you know yeah, yeah. so songs from the shed and those sort of things had a really important mm. role to play um to, to form that home base piece but um sofa sounds you know franchised all over the place well to be honest the cameras and the 
bits that allow you to do your own bedroom music. If you're an artist, don't film in your bedroom. Really isn't really isn't a good thing. But that's what being able to sort of like, go out to garage and find somewhere and establish your own bits and pieces. You don't need someone else to do that. But the you know the camera technology and the access technology that allows you to do decent down decent images and whatever isn't prohibitive anymore you know you know you can you can get a decent camera from someone like canon to film your own podcasts and on a really good level and your entry to that's 500 quid i know it's a lot but it's not like it used to be where where if you wanted decent quality video cameras you were into three four five digits yeah Cool. Okay, Neil, that's great. Let's have a quick plug then for where can we find Fatir? Uh, www.fatir-magazine.co.uk. But if you just Google Fatir, F A T E A, <laughs> then we will appear on the top of your search. And along the tracks, when and where can we hear that? So along the tracks is on Blues and Roots Radio. It's at 10 pm on a Friday, 9 pm on a Sunday. And the final version goes out at 4pm on a Wednesday. And eventually it finds its way to Mixcloud. Um, but that's not one of my priorities if I'm tight on a week. So it can sometimes take a while to get to Mixcloud. And Mixcloud's a good example. So if people are putting a show out on Mixcloud and that's their only way out, yeah. Mixcloud's a good place to be. Okay. Oh, and it's, it's a good place for artists to reference something that was up. But in a lot of cases, Mixcloud is where radio shows go to die. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the list. Yeah, it, it depends on where you focus on, but again, it's sort of that. If, if you're an artist and you, and you did miss a show, at least Mixcloud has got you that yeah. way to get back in and say, "I was played on, and here's the evidence." Yes, <laughs> so the majority of your listenership is is live yeah. when the, the third yeah. thing's going out, um, and that's part. Uh, and maybe my Mixcloud would be higher if I had more time to <laughs> to make sure it. it was updated and whatever. But yeah, um, but the nice thing about the live shows is Blues and Roots Radio. I think I don't know if it's for all shows, but for most shows, I guess it depends on the the, the host is is active with this but there's a chat thread isn't there yeah. so for example with your show people can be listening in yeah. and you'll see the familiar names come up on yeah. those who you then this is what you're talking yeah. about I guess you'll see those people talking about other shows yeah. and obviously there's always new people as well yeah. but that's part of the community then yeah. and yeah you become a bit of um, a bit of a curator then don't you yeah. because if you're people trust you that it's going to be good it might not necessarily be their thing yeah this is what I've always sort of said about why house concerts can be so fantastic. So you turn up at a house concert to play and people may come along who've never heard of you and would even be like, it's not even my style of music, but because they trust that the host puts yeah. quality stuff on, yeah. they're prepared to go and give it a chance. Compared to turning up at you know, a traditional venue, they might not yeah. do that because they've had a good time the previous times they've been at that house concert. Yeah. And that is what it's about, isn't it? Say the best recommendation for music is for somebody to... To share it, yeah. to recommend it. Okay, great. Thank you so no much, Neil. That's cool. Excellent. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. See you next time on the Robert Lane Creative Careers podcast. If you could subscribe to the podcast, share it, like it, comment on it, review it, tell all your friends about it, all of those things would be fantastic because the more that people do that, the more that new people get a chance to hear the podcast, join the community, and enjoy the content that we're putting out. You can find me at robertlanemusic.co.uk and I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as Robert Lane Music. Please get in touch, let me know if you're enjoying the programmes and who you think I should talk to in the future. Thank you, until next time, goodbye.